Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty, Sean McCreevy, and special guest Mike Ferreri. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. We're going to be talking in the main about Birds of Prey today, which I think is Godley and Cream's best work of the 1980s. And uh, we're going to be joined by Paul in Liverpool and also by the lovely Mike Ferreri in in California. (laughs) He's giggling away there, you see. I I reckon he's had a a little glass of wine. Uh, I think he's he's, he's going to be in the mood for this, uh, as as am I. And I've had a glass of wine as well, Mike, so uh, I think uh, we're in good company. It's very interesting for me that I came into the Birds of Prey universe probably about a year ago when I picked up the Body of Work box set in a, in a little kind of marketplace record shop. I knew of Birds of Prey's existence, but for some reason just hadn't bought it ever. And uh, having played it the first time, I really, really didn't get on with it very well. And for me, it was just kind of... For me, it felt like a, a, a gradual degradation from ismism down through history mix to Goodbye Blue Sky, which I have a, an ambivalent relationship with. So it kind of, at that time, felt like it was part of that that downward slope. But I have to say, I've probably listened to Birds of Prey six, seven, eight times uh, over the past year, and it's grown massively in my estimation. I like it more and more and more every single time I listen to it. Um, there are loads of layers and I think some terrific work, particularly from Kevin on this album. I think it, it genuinely is their best work in the in the 80s. So- For whatever reason, Birds of Prey was frustratingly difficult for me to get a hold of. I knew it existed, but I couldn't get my hands on it. I don't even really remember. I think I may have uh, gotten a Japanese import on eBay or something like that. So it was much later after its release, and I didn't get into it. I I really, I don't know how to explain it. It might have been the the time of my life or whatever. I just did not get into it right away. But in the last couple of months, with your invitation to join the podcast, I've rediscovered it. (laughs) And I, I agree, it is strong. It's very strong. It just got by me in between everything else. Um we could take it whenever you want to talk about the the cuts but uh i i agree it's strong strong cd what what do you think's particularly strong about it mike uh my favorite song is probably out in the cold mm. which I, I may have heard first it's reminiscent to me of some of the things on consequences like um, playing dark notes on piano, mm. play a strange credenza. It kind of has that same feel and the vocal structure. Um, that's pretty much like what I would say about that. Um, the rest of them I just rediscovered. Samson, great. Save mm. a Mountain, very big melody. Something I can give my vocal cords a working out on. You know, save a mountain, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So, that, that's it. It was a, it was a late arrival for me, but 
I'm, I'm into it now. No, I'm, like I'm 100% with you. It was a, a such a late arrival for me, and, and I, I'm so so glad that I'm, I'm now kind of familiar with it. I think it's a really soulful record, actually. And I think <laughs> Kevin is singing and, and writing his heart out on this record. Mm. Paul, I don't think you're so enamoured, are you? <laughs> I'm not, I'm afraid. Um, I do like certain things about it. Yeah, you're right. Kevin's singing on this is is soulful. Is, is That's hit the nail on the head. It, it's beautiful. Um, and his the tone of this album is much more serious than the frivolous ismism that yes, preceded yes. it. I think. Um, however, you know, it comes down to songs. I just don't think the songs are there. I don't like it when Lowell's writing sequences and Kevin's coming in and singing over the top, which I suspect is what's happening. I like them sitting in that little room in Strawberry or wherever they are writing a song uh, from the ground up. And I'm sorry, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm just, I don't really get on with this type of music. I mean, as much. There are a couple of exceptions and perhaps, you know, as, as we find that as we come on to those songs, I'll chip in. One thing that did interest me though, when, when Sean and I were very privileged to hear extracts from Kevin's as yet unreleased album, Mus Muscle Memory, that reminded me uh, in tone of, of Birds of Prey because it was beautiful, soulful vocals on top of one, well, definitely on top of finished tracks. Yeah. So there You've was read a, my mind here, real, Paul. Yeah, there was, I, that, that really was striking and it made me, it may make me re-examine both records, you know, yes. the new one and the old. And, and maybe I just... Interesting to hear you say, Sean, that there's lots of layers. Maybe I haven't uncovered some of those layers yet. But, you know, at time of writing or time of talking or gassing, yeah, no, it's, it's, it doesn't quite do it for me. Ten months ago, I was exactly where you sit, okay. uh, thinking oh. that it was just a bit shit um, right. because I, I hadn't got into it. But Godly and Cream stuff's always really difficult to get into, isn't it, immediately? <laughs> yeah. Uh, note consequences <laughs> yeah yeah i mean strangely i fell in love with that kind of on first impact but that that was an impossibility you know there was a 15 year old boy uh it's yeah. strange that there was something about it that kind of lured me in but everything yeah. else was was hard work um but and and this one you know no exception um and I'm kind of with you, Paul, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm more with, with Mike now, to be honest. I think right. there's, uh, it, it's a much, much stronger album than Ismism. Mm, it, doesn't okay. have, it doesn't have the, the, the great singles. Ismism has got better highlights for me. Uh, Under Your Thumb is, is wonderful. Wedding Bells is such a catchy record. Snack Attack, really hooky single. That's all that, that Birds of Prey is missing, really. But I think mm. it's a much better realised album. I think, like you said, it's kind of a more grown-up record. I think Lowell's got the he's he's got his studio chops down a little bit better. I think he's <laughs> creating tracks that are, are sounding more realised, more hi-fi. Uh, there's a richer kind of sonic content in, in all those tracks. It's not just drum machine bass fed through a flanger effect um yep. you know crap guitar part and some silly sound effects this time there's a much richer 
tapestry, a lexicon of, of musical sounds. And I think that helps bring out the soulful quality in, in what Kev's doing. I think Kev's kind of rising to the occasion because the backing tracks are stronger here, I think. Mike, am I, am I am I barking up the right tree? Yes, you are. I could not agree with you more. Uh, ism, ism, to, to compare the two, this uh, Birds of Prey is so much more body, so more uh, like they really thought it out. They weren't just tossing things out. Let's see what this sounds like if I mess with this. Yeah. The, the, the songs themselves seem to be so much stronger. All of them yes. on this CD. Yeah, there are hardly any bad tracks. My body is the car that I've been driving around for 36 years. My body the car. Slowly burning out the rubber. Stripping the gears. My body the car. I think the first song itself, My Body the Car, was... Uh, I'm not real crazy about it. It's okay. It's yeah. It's kind of gimmicky, you know, with the uh, um, obviously dazzling lyrics, but the idea that the rhythm, that rhythm and melody appear to be exclusively built on vocal tricks is almost like that Bobby McFerrin crap. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever the hell that was, you know, smile, yeah, don't, be happy. Don't, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, which, I, which I, I likes, but um, uh, they're similar in a way that they don't really. They, they promise much, but don't deliver much. Um, it, it's a bit of a knockoff track, this, My Body, The Car. It could have been wonderful. If, they, if they'd approached it in a consequences way, uh, it could have been amazing. But it sounds like something they did in, in an afternoon. There's a man with a suitcase with a whole bunch of shirts and magazines Selling roadmaps and Bibles and Ben's of dreams For days and nights I stare in the mirror And the days and nights they stare back at me Absolutely, and then just didn't really care to go back and really fatten it up Or yeah. give it the, uh, the shine A bit flat, isn't it? And it doesn't fit with the album at all yeah, it does. It does stick out like a like like a sore thumb, doesn't it? For some reason, might be why they tagged it on first. Um, yeah, I'm interested to know with this album now because when was this recorded and released? 1984, is that right? 83. 83. Yeah, oh, okay. and, and, and it was recorded at Lowell's place. Um, right. Remixed by Nigel Gray at Surrey Sound, so they 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 kept, ah. they kept their loyalty with with Nigel there. Right. Well, that might explain some of the depth to the sound, perhaps. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. That's pretty early. One wonders how they had time, because they were so busy making videos at this at this stage, weren't yeah, they? Uh, um, totally. When you think, you know, Frankie, etc., etc., was happening right at this time. Well, a little, that was 84. Wasn't it a little later? But the, I mean, the police, the trio of police videos was was eighty three. No, and, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, but there's but they were really they were at their peak or reaching their peak, and and they were they were busy. I was I'm wondering, and also they were coming off a couple of hits, of course. Maybe they approached this more seriously. You know, Ismism seemed like a bit of a knockoff. Really, there was perhaps a bit more riding on this yes um, um and i i kind of alluded to that when, when we met with kevin um, right. we didn't get much traction with with anything to do with this album uh which was disappointing but i i asked him if there'd been a conscious attempt to be more direct 
and poppy and hooky with this album. Yes. Because I feel yes. that the songs are a lot more coherent than they were on Islamism. And, and um, like I said before, Kevin's really singing out of his skin and, and writing in a much more direct and poppy way, very soulfully sometimes. It, it feels to me like, like Kevin is making that attempt to, to carry on that commercial success. She should have fallen in love with the world. Would you agree that sometimes when the inspiration comes, the inspiration comes? Yeah. Meaning, like, these songs were coming to them. It wasn't like, oh, let's sit down and try and do something with this drum beat or this uh, keyboard track. It seems like these songs were really coming out of somebody. Yeah. And they thought, you know, let's work these out. Let's let's really structure these out. They're worth the work. Yeah, no, I, I, in my heart, I can't agree because I'm still not hearing... Oh, I sound really down on this. Uh, you know, apart from two or three exceptions, it's. It, I just don't think the, the movement in the songs is, is is strong enough. It has to be a marriage. You know, Kevin never disappoints as either a singer or a lyricist. That's that's true for, for <clears> sure. And maybe that means I have to point the finger at Law, I suppose, because he's got to come up with the the foundation. It seems you know from which Kevin can can build, you know, same when Kevin's working with either Eric or uh, well, really with Eric or slightly more um, commonly with, with Graham, you know. Uh, so I don't, I don't know really. No, I just, no, I've got, I've got to go with my instinct. Arguably after L. He took his foot off the gas in terms of being that crafted um, chord generator of genius that he was in 10cc and Consequences, where, you know, Eric praises him for his gift for melody and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, in the 80s, Lol just seems to be coasting. He seems to be putting together riffs uh, and, and little funky rhythms. And, and dare I say, uh, what you've just said kind of reminds me of a thought I've had recently and of course we've been talking about the 1980s 10cc output yeah which you know I you know I find very very difficult to like very much is Kevin Godley the only member of the original 10cc who's remained consistent in terms of his creative output he never really seems to put out a bad vocal or a bad lyric with the exception of perhaps Ralph um, he, he seems to always come up with the goods. Where is my God when I need him? Where is my God? Yeah, it, I agree with that, although I would also say it's harder it's, it's harder for a, uh, a melody writer to sustain than it is for a lyric writer. I don't know why that is, but uh, there's something intangible about a melody or, or even a, you know, a harmonic sequence mm. that can just go and disappear. Um, that's my own feeling. So, so I would, you know, I would put other musicians in the same camp, really. Yeah. Although, for for me, the problem with '80s 10cc was that the lyrics really kind of fell off the cliff, but that the melodies, by and large 
some of them were great, but they were let down by melodies, which doesn't seem well, to fit in with what you're saying. Yeah, but that's because the the great lyricist in 10 CC was was Kevin Godley. I think yeah. I think that's something Andrew Andrew Dalgano said he did, a couple he did. of pods ago. Yeah, and it took it, it, it's a, it's kind of a blindingly obvious now he said it really, but um, I, th- I think it took it took Andrew to say that. I think he's right. Mike, how do you feel about this? Do you think I'm I'm being harsh on Lol and, and and bigging up Kevin too much? No, I think you you both make some great points. Uh, I I agree with Paul in in as much as writing melodies is a very difficult thing to come up with something different, some new approach. Uh, Kevin's almost like a fictional writer, you know, writing a book. Yes, and uh, the ideas just keep coming, but. There are some terrific grooves on this uh, CD. Yeah. And I know they're somewhat understated in comparison to, well, uh, L, certainly. Yes. But they're still really precious to me. I, they're <laughs> just really cool. Terrific grooves, great chord structures on songs, uh, like Cat's Eyes. Johnny shows the tears, wept behind the ears. Johnny is as green as the grass that's growing. Johnny's getting one of the LP's strongest efforts for me. So right. I just love that's interesting. The feel. That, that's and one of my my least favorite. In fact, it's my least favorite it's track. It's tell, interesting. Tell me why. Tell me why you like it so much. It's just a personal taste kind of thing. It's um, sale of the century. Okay, that that particular type of music does not appeal to me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, same. Right. Whereas yeah, yeah. the cat's eyes groove is kind of like a, something I would get into. Mm. Uh, okay. Do you, do you a, know the record um, Reward by Teardrop Explodes, Mike? I do not. I do okay. not. No. You'll hear it in the pod when, 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 when we put the edit together. I think this track's a steal from, from that track. Uh, oh, you remember that one? It really reminds me of, of that. One of the things I really love about this track is, and we mentioned it, it to uh, Kevin, and, and, and he looked at me with, with eyes that were completely glazed over, uh, <laughs> as if I was talking in French or something. Um, the, the backing vocals he does on this are, are a, a complete steal from Dancing in the Street, you know, by... Uh, Martha Rees and the Vandellas, and I, I love oh, yeah. that. It's, it's terrific, and uh, for me, Cat's Eyes, it, its real merit is um, the, harking back to those Motown and soul influences. There's a bit of a, a Johnny Don't Do It 50s pastiche style to this that I can forgive Johnny Don't Do It, but somehow it doesn't work for me on this one. It's, and it's a bit monotonous. It's, Kev's trying really hard, but I think this is one of the one of the examples of, of LOL not producing a track that's particularly inspiring. And I think as a result, what, what Kev's producing is is a bit lacklustre. Was a comfortable racehorse. Samson 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's the next time. Now that that's a great tune. It remind, reminds me somewhat of the overall sound of uh, some of the tunes on Ism Ism, but the song itself to me is stronger and more memorable mm. than some of those found on Ism Ism. Very cool lyrics. She was carrying his son. You know, great storyline. Just cool. Very, very. Uh, I'm so grateful that I'm hearing another Godly and Cream song. That, <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's the honest uh, assessment. I'm like, well, it's, it's them, so I'm okay with it. Sure. I mean, Sam, I can get behind Samson's, but the best track on the record for me, um, it kind of starts off, you know, groove based, but then rising out of that, there's this lovely hooky pop melody, some some suddenly appearing, you know. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite moving. I love I love the personification of the of the of the horse, the racehorse, which harks right back to some of their earliest animal references in their very early material. Yeah, in the 60s. animal song and so on. Yeah, that's mm. right. They 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 do that very well. And uh, to me, that's uh, several hands high above the rest of the. Uh, <laughs> hey, very good. The rest of the did you did you see what you did there? The parrot is learning the words of a song. Yeah, yeah, to use a totally unwarranted uh, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Paul. It's, it's the strongest melody on the album, I, I think. Yes. There's a real strong emotional heart in the song. Uh, you really feel for the horse uh, or, or person or whoever you kind of yeah. see it yeah, as. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's really affecting, emotional, lovely. Um, and dare I say it, reggae. I guess I, you see the song is so strong. I didn't. Yeah, it is when you talk about it like that. But I didn't even notice it as a as a reggae song. Although yeah. they obviously, I guess they did intend it as such. It's just a, just a good song as far as I'm concerned. It is, isn't it? So the reggae is not as obvious as uh, uh, Dreadlock Holiday or kind of thing. It's just, it's there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It serves yeah. the song rather than the other way. Rather than Ten CC Mark II saying, "Oh, let's write a reggae song," it, you know, it's it, it's the other way around, isn't yes. it? What, was it was was it a single? I've never seen it uh, mentioned as a single anywhere. Did it? Was it a single in the states, Mike? That you know of, or did you no. hear it on the radio at all? N- not at all. No, you don't hear much "Godly and Cream" in the states whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's interesting, Mike. I was going to ask about that. I mean, uh, no, Tensy C have got a bit of visibility. What? What's it? What are the songs, if any, that that rise into the public consciousness in the states, even on alternative radio or something like that? What would you hear of, a, of Godly and Cream in the U.S.? All, all you ever hear is "Cry." That's the only song right. you'll ever hear by Godly and Cream on on American radio. Period. That's it. Okay. Uh, but uh, at least we have wedding having, bells here. Yes, having spent thirty plus years in radio, I have to tell you the truth. I never listen to commercial radio. I can't stand it. <laughs> so. Okay. 
that's all. I, maybe some station's playing something else, but I, I don't think so. Well, let, let me ask you something, uh, uh, if I may. Sure. From a video, from a video point of view, MTV, you know, the, the Golden Cream videos were, I guess, all over MTV. Did they have a presence as video directors at all? Did people know who they were or not? Uh, from the award shows, I think they finally figured out who was doing okay. some of them, you know. Mm, that's um, interesting. George that's Harrison's When We Was that's Fab, and, yeah, and uh, the Beatles' uh, Free as a Bird, I think it is. I think mm -hmm. Kevin had something well, I, to do with that. I don't think, uh, he did Real Love, I think. Oh, Real Love, yes, 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 you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, working with the Beatles, even kind of at a remove, if you like, uh, during yes. the anthology project, that certainly would have raised their profile. Well, it's good to hear that they're, that they're known for something, because they're so creative. Well, I pointed out on YouTube's videos, I'll, I'll put that on there. You know, right. Directed by Kevin Godley or Lil Crane. Yeah. No one knows it's what I'm your, talking your, about. Your, pers your personal mission, Mike. Yes, it's, you know, I have a duty, so. <laughs> no, I, I admire that. And it's kind of what Paul and I are doing, the chipping away at the 10cc universe to anyone who gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> We're out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're out here. So. I, I tell you, my favourite track on this record, I think, by a, a, a small mile, is Worm and, and the Rattlesnake. I want to take you to the garden I love the track, and I'm not getting the same vibes from you two. Uh, you go, Mike. I'd have to hear it again right now. It's not. It's not uppermost in my brain. Really? Um, yeah. No, not uh, not without in the cold and Madame Guillotine. Those are a little bit more uh, front and center for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a, a give you a little burst. Okay. Um, I was gonna so say it's not that I yeah, it's not that I disagree. I just can't. No no think no no absolutely. Right. No no no. Yeah. I was as jealous as hell because he was just a kid and he could walk on the waltzes like Jesus did. He said, You try it, I said it's a piece of cake. But I knew he knew I was a world, not a rattlesnake. Is it is it the lyric, Sean? What is it about it? It's um the feel uh, the melody and the lyric. Uh, there's just okay. something very, very strong about it. Bear, bear with me. But it might just oh, okay. be my personal thing, you know. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's an absolutely fantastic track. It's incredibly evocative of late 50s, early 60s memory of Kev's being at a, a fun fair in the local park, um, fancying this girl and seeing her go off with the bad boy working on the waltzes. Um, I'm yeah. not sure if this makes sense to any kind of American listeners, but oh, it does, uh, yeah. yeah, very much feeling like the the geek. You can you can smell the the, the candy floss and the smoke and the, and the diesel fumes and everything. Uh, and I, I think it's an incredibly evocative song. Oh. You belong in my Quiff Street fairground teens, uh, and I think Kev's writing really, really well, really carefully. Really personally, I think it, I think it's wonderful. Oh, 
Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you really enjoy it, Sean. Yeah, it, it's, it's it has got that. No, no, no. I mean, I, I like it. It's, it's got an, it's got an atmosphere about it. You said commercial. I think there's too many words for a hit single. Yeah, I would say. I think the the tune and and the groove. Uh, I think are commercial. But I agree okay. with you. It doesn't really have a, a a lyrical hook, does it? It doesn't have the well, under your thumb forever simplicity. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, Mike, it, it's a a wonderful track, surely. It's a very good example of of this CD not being burned into my brain like L or Consequences. And uh, as soon as you played it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great little tune, you know. It's th- that simple. It is that strong. I just don't remember these as well as some of the other things because this CD was so hard to get. When I finally got it, I didn't <laughs> listen to it that much. And, yeah, you know. Yeah, we're uh, all in the same boat, really. I mean, I, I, I've had it in my possession, you know, less than a year. Um, so I, you know, I've I've had that that year of catching up. Whereas with consequences, we've had forty fucking years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, well. uh, but uh, but that's it. Yeah, I think Worm and the Rattlesnake and Samson are easily the best the best songs on this album. But I, I'm with you, Mike. With Out in the Cold being one of those tracks that really floats to the top straight away, you think, "Wow, what is that?" I didn't know what I was that on a, a greatest hits cd out yeah. in the cold before right. i ever got birds of prey wow and and yeah i don't really it's some oddball thing i got a hold of from ebay and i thought oh no see that's out in the cold that's got that godling cream feel reminiscent of consequences somewhat you know and, oh i loved it i loved it right off yeah it's, it's kind of like the love child for me it's the love child of and don't shoot me down immediately uh, I pity inanimate objects and <clears throat> get well soon. Discuss. Someone has taken all the music away. Well, I, can hear I, will, it. I will say this. It sounds like a lol melody to me. Ah. Um, I think it's got that beautiful... There are lots of big vertical leaps and the kind of recognised more melodic pattern. Yeah. And it sounds like one of his kind of uh, music theatre-based melodies almost. Yeah, I, you know. no, totally. And, and, and it sticks out because it is... Well, it just sounds different. So, I, I, therefore, you know... Uh, by reverse engineering it almost, uh, and it's only, it's only, I'm only surmising. I think it probably might, it might be a lull tune. I think you're right, Paul. I, 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 I totally get that kind of that old musical theatre thing. I, yeah, I see yeah, yeah. Equally, it, it, it's like maybe a soundtrack of some kind of film noir. Yes, I, exactly, I can picture yeah. a detective with a with a, a velvet mm-hmm. hat smoking away and and and. Um, Walking down very kind of rain-drenched dark alleyways with it with a sax solo. Mm. Very mm. old-fashioned, very thirties. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, I, I do like it. So it's it's in my top two or three on on the record. I'd yeah, say. but delivered in that typically weird Kevin Lowell way, you know, where they're, they're singing in a weird harmony through a vocoder. I think it sounds like. Yeah, it's got some some kind of processing. Yeah. with the harmony probably artificially applied, it sounds like, doesn't I it? I think so, which means that when you get to the chorus, that, that that artificial harmony doesn't work quite, so you get a very, very odd clash of harmony in the chorus. We'll, we'll hear it in yeah, a second. I, I, do you, do you know like what I'm that. saying? That There's a kind of yeah. key change, isn't there? must have been deliberate it must have been but the, and the key change chorus, works yeah. differently on the chorus to the verse yes. which creates this kind of different kind of a shifting a shifting space that is very very interesting i i think it's great and that's why mike my, my i make the comparison with i pity inanimate objects because of the vo- right. the, the vocal right. thing you know exactly yes yeah. i agree yeah exactly you're a big fan of i pity inanimate objects aren't you Oh, I love that. That that was one of the greatest things. And again, I don't think they had the same outboard gear back in the day to use to come up with such a creative, like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, same here. And I think Kev's playing his vibes on this track as well. And and Kev doesn't really play real percussion on much of this 80s stuff until we get to Goodbye Blue Sky. I, th- I think he's actually playing his vibes, and and it kind of it gave me that mm-hmm. the spring in in my step. Not listening to consequences, but you know, it just had that kind of hark back to consequences. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Maybe he added the vibes at um, Sorry Sounds or whatever. If they if he couldn't fit them in Lowell's uh, living room, <laughs> yeah, I think he could have okay. got his vibes. Um, perhaps not his drum kit. Yeah. Save me a mountain to climb. I think the only single from this record was Save a Mountain, wasn't it? Not a fan of it, I'm afraid. I know, uh, I think Mike's going to come back and say some nice things about it, but <laughs> I, I do like I do like the imagery of, like, you know, incarcerated and save some of that big open space for me when I get out. I do mm. like that. Yeah. I like the central theme, but sorry, I'm not I'm not getting off on the, on the melody, really. Save a mountain Yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm not a fan of the record, Paul. To be honest, you know, I, okay. I, I love the video. Actually, it's uh, it's almost up there with White Boy for me. I think it's a really beautiful little film, uh, and they didn't okay. they didn't tend to either bother with videos or, or do particularly good ones for the for themselves or for 10cc. But I think this one's terrific. Um, but yeah, it, it it's a missed target for me. This song, I think, Mike. What do you think? Uh, I, I can see your point, and uh, the points are well taken. Uh, I'm not in love, desperately in love with the song. I just, I like it. It's Kevin and Lowell and all is well. So. <laughs> yeah, there are nice flavours, aren't there? I, I like the fact that it starts, like, on, on Broadway.
it reminds you that they they both got a strong you suspect a strong soul Motowny influence there uh, and there's a, yeah. there's a flavour of the song that kind of harks forward to Goodbye Blue Sky as well, isn't there? That's a good spot. You're right, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we, you know, that kind of soulful delivery. You know, add add a harmonica and, and you've, you've basically got the, the, the basic premise of, of mm-hmm. Goodbye Blue Sky, really. And it, and it's kind of a bit wedding bellsy as well, I think. you know I'm, I'm a big fan of that tune sean didn't uh, our friend and confidant paul hamilton just today actually did you see that email he was saying something about uh, either the dialogue or something from this song was lifted from the producers did you see that was it yeah i was gonna i was wondering about that because my guess was that it was from 12 angry men ah right Defendants have anything to say in their behalf before the court pronounces sentence? I would like to say something, Your Honor. Not on my behalf, but in reference to my partner, Mr. Bialystok. Proceed. No, I was just going to say that uh, the rest of the LP is off the top of my head. I know uh, woodwork, I like low, slashy guitar parts. They're, they're scrumptious on that. And uh, Twisted Nerve has a nice, spooky haunting feel but madame guillotine would be the only other one that i thought was you know like in the top three of the lp okay it's such an understated yet powerful melody it's you know it's a a a low-key groove but the vocals add such a depth and muscular feel yeah i don't know it's just really cool to, to me yeah, th- uh, agreed, Mike. That's that's one of my favourites. They really are brave enough to go for a a kind of a less is more there on the groove, and then it and it breaks down beautifully into what I think are kind of major seven chords, which we haven't heard for, for a while, and and they sound so pretty and sweet. Although of course that's juxtaposed against the lyric, but it's uh, when it just breaks down into that sort of melodic hook. I really I really do dig that. It's good. Yeah, me too, and I love the the subject matter. You know, the fact that you know this is kind of like a a death row type situation. It's Kevin once again not being afraid to tackle any subject. Yeah. That's right. When when he gets, I mean, he, he, when he gets serious, he really gets serious, doesn't he? He really does. Um, and it, it, the lyrical content, Paul, reminds me of the of the stuff Kevin was playing to us from the the new album. Again, yes, exactly. Yeah, he's not afraid to no holds barred. Is well, he doesn't take any prisoners. Yeah, he's being an, an antagonist, really, isn't he? Yeah. So I fired two shots to stop her laughing And her body fell to the floor She was dead when the first shot hit her The second was 
Yeah, I like that one. And uh, there's a similar kind of darkness. You mentioned Twisted Nerve there, Mike. I love the intro. That um, I don't know if you know a record by Japan called Quiet Life, which I, I love. That sequence bass part. I love the fact that they're using those kind of very current musical idioms. I think I think it's fantastic, and the vocal style of Twisted Nerve, Paul, as well, reminds me of the vocals we heard on on that Muscle Memory stuff. Yeah. Soulful, yeah. A, a, a touch of the kind of operatic, dare I say. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, and again, dark lyrics. The human heart tears her apart, but still always be out there waiting. You know, there's a, there's a real emotional core to these lyrics, I think. Agree. In the human heart never skips a beat. In human heart tears her apart, but she'll always be out there waiting. We're both so fortunate to have heard that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it comes out this year. Um, I'm, I'm not hearing any noises at the moment about, no, it, uh, yeah, about it coming out. Yeah, you're right, Mike. We are very, very fortunate. And I mean, Kevin was actually, you know, he played one track and then he, he, I think he played us four, didn't he? I mean, we were just in the right place at the right. It wasn't that he wanted us to hear it, but he wanted someone to hear it. If mm-hmm. you see what I mean, that's that's the impression I got. Um, and it was it was it was great. Um, I, I was trying to make mental notes as I, as I went along, but. The, the, my overwhelming uh, impression was of the voice, you know. The, the voice hadn't lost one iota of power, which was great, because the guy's yeah. 74, you know, that was stunning. Yeah, those vocals could have been recorded in the early 90s, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And I, I think the lyrics are going to uh, really hit home. When that record comes out, people will be thinking... Ouch. Twisted nerve. Twisted nerve. Twisted nerve. There's one other track I wanted to talk about uh, from Birds of Prey. Bit of a favourite of mine. It, it may have passed you by or one that you, you don't rate. It's Woodwork. A bit of a throwaway groove with a, a lazy, scruffy, sort of funky guitar from Lowell. And and he, he adds in these sort of, I think he has got hold of a sampler now, Paul, and he's playing these kind of orchestra stabs. But they're really, oh, yes. they're really atmospheric. Um, but there's a great chorus um, where they're singing, You'll be crawling out the woodwork, oh, where the chords change over this very... Yeah sort of sinister drone bass and I think it's it's great
song about a, a bitter breakup between, I don't know, protagonist and girlfriend or wife or whatever, or two, yeah. f- two friends, and the friend comes back once once he's famous, and and the narrator is basically saying, you know, I, I'm not interested. You're, you're you're just coming back into my life because I'm famous now. There's something mm. about the song. It's got a depth, a melody I love, a track that really, in the chorus particularly, that really hits home. Uh, and this is this is a strong one for me. Okay. Um, you're selling it to me. I'm almost embarrassed. <laughs> I can't remember how it goes. Sorry. <laughs> back, back to look here for me, I'm afraid. No, I'm only kidding. No, um, what can I say? What can I, I say? knew you were so weak. I never knew you were so strong. Oh, right now, that yeah. sounds yes. Now I remember it because it's resembling of. Just hang on. You know what I mean? It's, it, it sounds like a song. Um, yes, it does. Uh, oh, to Billy Joe. That's what it is. Sing it for us, Paul. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mike. That's it. The one about throwing the something off the Tallahassee Bridge. Bobby Gentry, that's a great tune. The Tallahassee Bridge. Papa said to Mama as he passed around the black eyed peas. That's the one. And I think they use a Mellotron in that song. Did you know that? Really? Yes, I believe that's a Mellotron. Wow. And that's a country crossover in the that States. That is a great piece of knowledge, Mike. That was, that, yeah. thank you. I'm going oh, wow, to listen to that. Mike, so playing what? Is it with strings or flute or? It was just playing like a strings kind of thing. Uh, oh, you got to listen to it again. That's we, a great song. Honestly, we're straight on that. I'm going to give you a, a burst of woodwork. Kevin didn't, right. okay. Kevin didn't remember this track uh, when oh, we good. mentioned it oh. to him. He didn't even remember the title. He said wood, yeah, we, woodwork, and he said, "What woodworm?" He, honestly, <laughs> he had no recollection of this track, so maybe it's a figment figment of my imagination. Here we go. I love that bass drone, Paul. It, it really gives me the horn. It really, really <laughs> does. Um, the the cause of change I'm over glad, the horn. But I, I, I know it's not your cup of tea. Right, right. But it no, is, it's it is it's mine. Really, it, it's sublime. It's really, really sweet. I know what I'm going to be listening to when I get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of these I have to listen to again. Definitely. Well, um, that's a good sign. If, if it sends you racing back to the originals, Mike, that's a really oh, good sign. Oh, yes. I'd like to bring you in on this one, Mike. The jury's uh-huh. out on the B-side of Wedding Bells, Babies. I don't care if you don't respect me. I don't care if you don't like the sound of it. I'm not a building, but you erect me. So let us lock the door and fool around. Um, okay, that, that is a very repetitious song, of course. But what a video. A video? Yeah, are you are you familiar with the? I, I don't know who threw it together. It's these 
it's a like a middle-aged couple doing these acrobatic dances and the guy's kind of fat the woman's certainly not attractive but it, it's hilarious it, it's makes me like the song more yeah it's a, it's a great fan-made video isn't it yeah i've seen that mike it's, it, it yeah. can't be anything to do with kevin lowell but right. somebody's put great, great visuals uh, and they've kind of there's a bit of morphing going on on the, the kind of deconstructing almost of the image as it, as it goes along, isn't there? It's uh, correct. A little annoying yeah. too, actually. There. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I kind of think it works. It's certainly worth seeking out um, because it, the track is pretty puerile, isn't it? I mean, intentionally. I think we could be overthinking this. I mean, this could be. Uh, it's just you know, lol. Maybe lol. Just trying to work out <laughs> the mm -hmm. equipment. And, and Kev just throwing something <laughs> over the top. Yeah, it's, it's pretty throwaway, but there's something, there's something almost likable about it and quite compelling about it because it's a very honest representation of, of just pure lust, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What does he say? You might want to do some necking beforehand. You might want to take me out for dinner beforehand. But the outcome of this evening is going to be the same. We're going to basically be having <laughs> sex all night. Yeah. And and I like I like the kind of the the brutal honesty about it. And it, it, it there's something in my mind, and I, and I think it's been triggered by something that someone said online in recent months about Godly and Cream's '80s work is that they they find that some of it is sexist or maybe even slightly misogynist. We, we look at the, the cover of Birds of Prey, for example, the title mm. Birds of Prey, whether mm. that refers to, to women. We've just talked about um, the vocal version of Submarine, Power Behind the Throne, and that's very much the story of a, of a woman wearing the trousers. Uh, quite a kind of an old-fashioned premise for a song, and Babies is is a, quite a lustful depiction of a guy who, who just wants to get his end away. And I just wonder, if, if, <laughs> if, is there an undercurrent in, in any of, of the material that we're talking about, the three of us, that, that shows a, a disrespectful or, flip side, a cheeky reference to male attitudes to women? I'm sorry. I just thought that was a brilliant take, Sean. Um, yeah. I just want to make babies with you. It's a nice way to say, I just want you to, you know, lay back and accept the monster. Babies, babies, babies. I just want to make babies with you. That's a lovely way yeah, of putting I mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that maybe they're a little bit, bit more unguarded on B-sides. Um, but or, or throwaway tracks, perhaps. But uh, I, I don't think we need to throw too many barbs Kevin Lowell's way, do we? I mean, they're, they're you know, they're, they're exploring exploring the human psyche. I don't think anything they're doing there is too disturbing. No, no, I I, I agree, and it's and I've, I've, my interest has only been piqued by a few people online uh, talking about this as a as a as a thread, if you like. Um, no, I, right. I don't feel it myself. Um, for me, it's just like we encountered in Dublin, Paul, it's Kevin exploring the darker sides, isn't it? Like you say, the darker corners of the psyche. Yeah, and he's got every right to do that. You know, he's human like the rest of us, and uh, I, 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 don't think, I don't think there's a problem. Um, 
you know, he, he I don't think there's a problem with the lyrics at all. No, I agree. And if anything, all it does is show yet again that, that Kev gives us a, an extremely honest account of what's in the front of his mind, doesn't he? What's in his imagination. There's, there are never any holds barred. He, he just goes for it. And if, if something's going to be disturbing, he just throws it out anyway. I remember one of the lyrics of the songs he played us in Dublin. I think it was called All Skeletons Are White. Right. And it was it was a critique of the way language has become so PC and safe in, in our current uh, decade that um, you're not allowed to say certain things. Like, for example, that the word black has, has always become... Uh, a taboo word and, and and Kevin takes hold of those sort of problems with society and just chucks them straight back at you and says this is bullshit um, <clears throat> just here's one of my song characters playing out the scenario if you're going to be offended well th- you know that probably gives me a bit of amusement I love that attitude I love that kind of risky attitude he has to any any lyric subject it doesn't matter how personal or violent or uh, kind of repulsive it is um i just love the way he just throws it out there yeah that that's right he talked about that explicitly in the interview didn't he he was worried about the neutering of language was worried that it wouldn't be able to provide its venting function i think is how he described it yes um and he's right and another thing is just because um, a, a lyric uh, is in a song. It's not necessarily the uh, it's not necessarily the writer who's who's taking on that role. I mean, mm. um, obviously the the unreliable n- narrator, I think it's his term, can come in. Yes. Um, in movies or plays, it's not necessarily assumed that the that the the character. Um, saying the dialogue or reciting the dialogue has exactly the same uh, uh, meaning as, as, as the writer. Mm. But somehow rock, rock and roll is kind of infused with this idea of honesty, mm. you know, like a blue-collar Bruce Springsteen approach where, you know, <laughs> the, the, the writer and the singer are one and the same. But, of course, that's not the tr- not true. Look at, like, Randy Newman, for example, as mm. the king of mm. pre- pre- performing songs as the unreliable narrator. So... Really, I think that there's nothing to get het up about on that school. Absolutely. Apart from Cat's Eyes, which I don't like, but Mike does, I Mm. like literally all the other tracks. And I can't say that for any of the other albums. Um, So this one has, has kind of gone quickly up in my estimation. It's not a novelty factor. It's just the fact that I think it's... There's something of quality about this record. This conversation is making me want to not rediscover it because I am aware of it, but I didn't give it the same effort. I didn't give it the same listening time. Sure. And and it is, it's very strong, but it's not better than Blue Sky, but that's my opinion. It's it's fighting talk again, Mike. (laughs) I I need to be convinced. I need to be convinced on Blue Sky. I, I've tried very oh, yeah. hard with that record. Well, that, that's Another for the time. next part. Yes, yeah. yes. But, um, Mike, thanks so, so much for, for joining us on, on this chat and put, putting up with our ridiculously arcane 
uh, insistence <laughs> oh, no, on talking so... about chords and all that kind of shit. Oh, no, well, I, I, uh, I'm a, a, a novice musician myself, but I just don't, I really play by ear. And I understand what you're saying. I just never thought of it that way. And I just, I, I really, this is what drew me into your podcast. It's like, oh, they're, they're coming from a different angle. And this is awesome. It's making me understand the song better. And so wow. I can't thank you guys enough for giving me this opportunity to be part of this podcast. I feel wow. as though I know you two personally well, in, you in a way. You do. You do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you pretty do. funny. Through the music. It's, it's high yeah. praise, Mike. And it, thank you. It, it, it's fantastic to have you aboard. And you'll be joining us again for, for to talk about the next two albums. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate that. And, uh, my pleasure can't so wait to enjoyable. talk can't wait to talk about the rest of the 80s stuff with you um thank you enjoy the rest of your day enjoy you the, the, the daylight and sunshine of california all righty gentlemen thank you very very much thank and you. i look forward to talking to you again so take care been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening